I barely thought about starting an agency. I didn't take a step back and be like, is an agency the type of business that I want to run? Maybe September, October, I hit what I had originally kind of said as like my 10-year monthly revenue target. And I felt no success. I felt I just felt stressed. I just didn't like what I was doing every day because I just I had like 20 clients that all needed things for me. Hello, and welcome to episode 46 of Webflail. I'm your host, Jack, and today my guest is Jamie Dowers. Jamie is the founder of Virago, which specializes in Webflow development for creative agencies and independent designers. Her team is now five people, including Jamie, and the agency is a professional partner. Virago has worked on some killer projects so far, including TEDx Miami, Caviar Caspia, and Juice Farmer. Basically, Jamie's killing it, but was it always this way? The failures we discuss in this episode are starting out as a WordPress designer and developer and taking on ridiculously low-paying projects, working 12 hours a day on all the wrong things after she started her agency, and focusing too much time on making as much money as she could instead of building the lifestyle business she actually wanted. This episode is a banger and a little fun fact for you I actually applied for a job with Jamie working for Virago a few years ago and she was just like no which was totally fair I was definitely not at the level that she was looking for at the time but anyway it's really nice to reconnect with her and ask her about her past so embrace and learn from failure in episode 46 of Webflow with Jamie Dowis. Jamie Welcome to Webflow. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's an honor to have you. And you have been the hardest guest I've ever had to research. That was one of the shortest intros I've actually done on Webflow so far. So you've already won an award there. Very impressive. Yeah, I've never been a big social media person, I guess. And so... It's been an interesting thing for me as like my business has reached kind of the next stage and we want to do more content and more social kind of stuff that it's not something I've ever really done or that's come natural for me. I've mostly been a pretty, I guess, private person. And I've done a lot of our new business through outreach and stuff like Upwork has been our foundation. And so I found Webflow Twitter after Webflow Conf and have been more active there a little bit. But yeah, sorry, I made it hard on you. It's fine. I mean, I had to get my detective hat on and dive into LinkedIn and stuff. But it's interesting that you actually don't get a lot of your agency work through creating content, because it seems to be one big way that people are often talking about having a big presence online. But that doesn't seem to be your case. I mean, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, totally. So I've always thought about creating content. Like since I got into this industry and started my own business, I've been like, I need to do this. But it's something that's a little less comfortable for me and that I've found that I I put off. And for me, it's always been much easier for me to do things like direct outreach and like Upwork proposals. Like people are actively looking for websites, finding them, getting them on a call and stuff like that. And honestly, it's kept us busy for two years and I haven't needed to do it yet. We've just yeah. always had kind of a full plate. And I think that I'm getting closer to actually putting the effort into it. I've started to free up a lot more of my own time. I think I've been for the last two years kind of in the weeds of the day-to-day of running my agency. And in the last few months, I've freed up more time and maybe we'll maybe we'll do some more stuff. <laughs> maybe you'll be more active on, on Twitter, doing some Instagram stories. Hey guys, life of an agency owner. <laughs> But it is, I don't but see, it is, see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> but it is important, though, to say that you don't necessarily need to get work from having a massive presence online or being a big personality on Twitter or saying controversial things or whatever, you know, various different ways that people get attention. And so you started on Upwork. Are we talking years ago? Was this Digital? This is the one thing I did find out about you. Uh, the <laughs> website that no longer exists, but did exist. Was this when yeah. you when you first started? And can you tell us a little bit about that backstory? Yeah. So my story kind of starts around COVID. So before I haven't actually been in this industry for long. Today is actually the two year anniversary of my agency, which Ooh. I didn't. I didn't even know one of my team members messaged me like a congratulations this morning, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> and so. 
it actually started around COVID. So before any of this, I was in a fully unrelated industry. I was actually working in the music industry at a big agency called CAA. And I thought that was my dream. And then it was kind of one of those like, you know, I've never watched Entourage, but I'm told it shows like the like crappy agency, like you have a mean yelling boss driving you nuts and you work like 60, 70 hours a week. That's kind of what I was doing before this. And then I got laid off during COVID, which honestly is my first big like professional failure because luckily I had realized about a month before that, that that job was hell and I didn't want to be on it anymore. It still hurt to get laid off from a job I had like given everything to for like three years. And so from there, I was like, I don't want to be in the music industry. It's awful. (laughs) And so what do I do? And I kind of had the travel bug. Like I had, you know, I grew up in Georgia and moved to Tennessee for college. And I had just made my first venture out. I got an Airbnb with some friends in Las Vegas and went to a bunch of national parks for like a month. And I was like, I just want to do whatever lets me travel. And to be honest, I just Googled like highest paying remote jobs and web development was at the top. And I was like, there it is. (laughs) It worked out that it was a way better fit for me. You know, I was always like, I was like, I was like a math kid in high school. And so like development just made sense. Design, not totally. I'm bad designer. It's why my team, we only do development. And so I had like six months of unemployment to live on. It's like a thousand bucks a month or something. And I was like, okay, I'm going to spend six months teaching myself web development. And if I can make, I got my expenses down to like a thousand dollars a month. And then I was like, if I can make a thousand bucks a month after six months, then I can like, you know, go travel, work remotely. I started looking at going to like Mexico and South America where I could live a little bit cheaper. I started with WordPress and I freelanced for a while. And then after about six months, I ended up, you know, luckily finding Webflow and then starting my agency pretty quickly. Wow. Crazy story there. I had no idea it was it was the two year anniversary. I mean, congratulations, by the way. Yeah, I didn't know until like an hour ago. So <laughs> <laughs> clearly, it means a lot. But it's really interesting that you went from freelancing. I mean, all in the space of two years, by the way, like learning development. Mm-hmm. You know, starting with WordPress, freelancing via Upwork, I imagine, and then yeah. going from there to Webflow. Then starting an agency, which I, I mean, so many questions. Firstly, so within that six month time frame of learning development, you started getting clients. Is that right? Yeah. So I took about four or five of those months because I, I was on unemployment. I didn't need to make any money as long as I ate nothing but ramen. And so really just got up every day and spent like eight or more hours just learning, which I thought was so much fun. And so for about four months, I did that. And then I was like, okay, in a couple months, I need to be making enough money to pay my rent and for my ramen. And so I started trying to get clients on Upwork. And Upwork does really good for me now because I've built up a profile. But like at the start, it was rough. My first job was a $60 job that, you know, at the time, I think the original post just said like, switch my WordPress theme. And little old me knowing next to nothing was like, okay, I can do that in like no time. 60 bucks is fine. And it turns out it was to like an entire different theme. And then I needed to like rebuild the entire site in that theme. And it was my first job on the platform. So if the guy gave me a bad review, it was like, okay, where am I going to get my jobs from? So I basically like for $60 spent two months. I had like hour long phone calls with this guy almost every day. And like he wouldn't leave me alone on weekends. He was just like holding me hostage for like two months. But I got through it, made it happen, moved on to a whopping $250 design plus development job with memberships and everything on Webflow. And then like got like a $500 project for design and development of a big site. Yeah, I mean, like for a small like company, but lots of pages. It took like six months. And I was like, I'm making it. <laughs> And then I kind of got my first like big break with like, I basically found like a Webflow agency that I started freelancing for that started paying me money I could live on, you know? (laughs) Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. So this is failure number one, 
essentially getting into artwork. And I think a lot of a lot of people talk about these kind of platforms quite disparagingly. I've heard people say, don't do Fiverr, don't do Upwork, don't do this, yeah. that, and the other. But it sounds like that was the the training ground where you learned the nuts and bolts about freelancing, the realities of getting clients on these types of platforms, building up your reputation. I think a lot of people talk about these types of things quite disparagingly, but actually they're such good training grounds to kind of get beaten up, but also very formative for you as a freelancer. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah. And the the thing that people don't realize, because people tend to be so closed off to these platforms, and it can be really hard to build a profile. And I was lucky in that I st- like, you know, I didn't deserve, not that I didn't deserve more than $60, but I didn't have much knowledge yet. And I wasn't in a place to charge what people like really should charge for websites. And so for me, it worked out well. I I'm sometimes debating, you know, if someone comes to me with an existing agency and is like, use Upwork, should I use it? I'm like, if you can get some projects to start with an empty profile that aren't like going to kill you, you know? And so, but what people really don't realize is there are good clients on Upwork. Once you have a built up profile, I've talked to public companies through Upwork. I think most of like that Juice Pharma site that's on our website that was beautiful, paid well, that came through Upwork. A lot of our work does. The thing is just being on there consistently. There are a lot of bad jobs and a lot of bad clients on Upwork. But like I always get on a call with people before I work with them, make sure everything feels right. Some of my best clients have come from Upwork and like well-paying ones too. It's a little bit surprising, but it kind of depends on, you know, if you have a profile built up and you can get more attention there. Okay, that's a really, really important point that, yes, these these platforms are maybe quite hard when you start. But once you have those testimonials and that trust, then, and also probably I imagine the algorithm of these platforms will be yeah. like, okay, this person seems legit. Let's show them higher. You you will get inbound requests. And I've actually found this as well. You can get jobs quite quickly if you play the right game with these types of platforms. And no, you won't get great gigs at the start, but... Yeah you will get gigs and that's going to give you the opportunity to grow, develop, learn, and maybe looking at it less from, I'm going to be rich. When you start doing these platforms, then this is going to be the client work that I need on my portfolio in order to grow and develop. I think I think it's quite a healthy approach. And so at what point did good clients, I'm air quoting here, clients that, you know, let you live a normal life and like pay acceptably at what point in that upwork journey did those come yeah so i think that my break kind of came outside of upwork where i started to get really good kind of portfolio pieces i could use so i i think through a linkedin like job post or something applied to be just a contractor for a webflow agency that did really good work and they like you know took a chance on me and i showed up and did good work for them and was able and like they had a wonderful designer. I think a big turning point for me was I was a bad designer and I I'm still a bad designer. So I do I think FinSuite announced, you know, this was a few years ago. So FinSuite announced that they were going to go development only and I was like, "Oh, can you do that? I want to do that." Cuz like every project for me was like weeks of design and going back and forth with clients and just not enjoying it and then like a couple days with my headphones in, just like loving developing websites. And so FinSuite announced they were going development only. And I was like, what if I do that as a freelancer? And I like did it and doubled my price at the same time and got way more work, even without necessarily, I think at the time I'd only built a couple websites, like a couple Webflow sites because I was coming from like some WordPress stuff. It didn't look great. It wasn't great for my portfolio. And so I started working with an agency, got some like they had a wonderful designer. And so I was able to send some people like some work that I did that was really good. And I would say like after about five or six months on Upwork, I like landed my first like really good client. It was like a SaaS startup with like 50 employees, had a nice budget and like a beautiful design for me to build and stuff. Right after that, I started my agency actually the day that I got to Mexico and I became a digital nomad. So... Which is an interesting wow. choice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that all happened coinciding with your digital nomad journey. And mm-hmm. 
just out of interest, I mean, why did you start an agency? Because I think it's quite an interesting question when you sounded like you were flying along as a very successful freelancer at that stage. You know, sometimes I still ask myself that question. The answer is that I didn't think about it, really. What happened was I just started having success really quickly. And I found that, you know, my background in the music industry, working in an agency is kind of the music version of sales. And so I was, and like, I worked at a big company that was like kind of the highest level of that. So I was very good at sales and I just couldn't like personally keep up with the work. And so I very casually, just like one weekend decided I'm going to hire a contractor to help me out and I'm just going to throw up an agency landing page. And I think I can like, you know, find more work that way. And then within a few months, it was just this whole crazy thing where I was running, you know, not a full-time team at that point, but just like a big group of contractors. We had a ton of work and I didn't really like consciously make the decision or think about the differences, you know, (laughs) which luckily I ended up loving it. And it's been such like a fun journey, but it's really looking back on it and how much it changed my life. It's crazy how little thought I put into it. Yeah, I always think it's it's really interesting when people say, oh, I want to set up an agency and uh, as a successful freelancer, because it, it's a completely different skill set. And it's very much it very much changes the complexion of your day. Which brings me on to failure number two, working 12 hours a day on the wrong things after starting your agency. Tell me about that. Yeah. So I think that I, so my whole goal when I got into this was I wanted to be like a digital nomad for a while. I had seen so little of the world and I wanted to travel. And so we started by going to Playa del Carmen. And the first day that I was there, I like started my agency. So two years ago today. And I just like, I think I dove into just doing as much as I possibly could. Like I'm a person who says I hate hustle culture, but for somehow, somehow I just repeatedly fall into the trap of overworking all the time, partially because I love it. It excites me depending on the phase I'm in. But yeah, at the start I was just working like 12 plus hours a day. I was in this like beautiful beach town in Mexico and I was barely going outside, which I still have regrets about. I need to go back. But a lot of it came from me just like, you know, having to figure out, like you said, like running an agency versus being a freelancer is two entirely different skill sets. It is not the same at all. And so much of running an agency is working with like more people and more people management. And that is something I had zero experience in. You know, I was an assistant when I worked at an agency. I had no one working under me. I worked directly for someone. They just told me what to do and I did it. And so going from that to like running, you know, like an international team. And I made mistakes that caused all kinds of problems where like I was horrible about giving feedback. I could always do all the work myself. So if someone did it wrong, I would just fix it and I would never talk to them about it. That wasn't good. (laughs) I don't do that anymore. I was really bad about, I would set really fast deadlines with clients. I just didn't realize, you know, for some reason I would get a request in and I'd be like, I'm going to do that right now. Or like, I'm going to do that by the end of the day today like stuff that I would now give myself like a week to do so that we could do it with quality and I wouldn't have to stay up all night doing it and stuff like that. Little things that I now know to watch out for. So like I, you know, when hiring, I once hired a contractor who told me he was just like an independent Webflow freelancer. I put him on a big project. We get halfway through it and I realized he's actually an agency and like one of my developers I sent in to fix it was like, I found like the name of the guy and looked up his LinkedIn and the guy building this is a WordPress developer. (laughs) And so like the build was just a whole mess. We had to like redo everything. And now I'm like, I, I ask a lot of pointed questions in interviews. I'm like, are you an independent freelancer? Like that doesn't do WordPress. (laughs) I had a hard time. I think like a lot of people, I had a hard time saying no at the beginning. I was taking on all kinds of projects. I was working on the wrong things. I was always just working on client work and just getting through the next project when really when you're building an agency, the most valuable thing you can do is build processes and train people and delegate things correctly. And so if I had taken on, I could have taken on half the work and spent half of my time doing that. And I think even today I'd be a much bigger agency if I had done that. And so that was like, 
a hard lesson to learn, I guess. Okay. On the day you go to Mexico to be a digital nomad, you start hiring contractors. You start selling more projects thinking, well, I've got the contractors to do it. Let's let's get them in. You've got an international team that you're trying to manage. When your contractors mess up, you just go in and fix the projects. You're working 12 hours plus a day. You are in a little beach town with obviously pretty good Wi-Fi, but you're not going outside. You're getting your boyfriend involved to actually help you, I guess, as a therapist, but also help with admin. Yes. I mean, credit to that guy. And then I think something that is also that you've said that was really, really important there was that one of the most important things you learned as an agency owner was that you were in the weeds doing the work rather than overseeing the work and understanding that the process and systems were the key for your agency success. And you could have taken on half that work and had a far more successful agency. That's fascinating because I think a lot of agency owners in the workflow space, when they, when they've just started are essentially successful freelancers that have been like, I could be even more successful or whatever success metric they're going off, I guess money. If I just got other people to do the work alongside me, but that's not what you're saying. No, it's so much more complicated. <laughs> Let's dig into that then. If someone is a successful freelancer that's thinking, oh, I want to start an agency, you're saying focus less on trying to get people to do projects alongside you and, and sell more projects. Focus a lot more on working out why you became a successful freelancer, writing down all your systems and processes. Mm -hmm. Is that, uh, am I putting words in your mouth? No, that is that is exactly right. I think the key to, I found it's much easier to do something yourself than to like get someone to do something for you the way that you want it done. That's a really difficult thing to do. And building out processes was like the most important thing. It's like the biggest difference between where I am now versus where I was when I started was we had like no processes. I would just like send a design file and I would be like, you know, give me this page this day. Like I had the start of it, but so many things would fall through the cracks and I I would let things happen the same way over and over again instead of making like documentation and giving it to the person. And that was where I think sometime maybe six months or a year or so in, I gave myself a rule like I am going to stop going into Webflow. Like we are going to build processes and I'm going to give people feedback. And as a rule, unless there is a dire emergency, I am not personally going to log into Webflow unless I'm working on something fun that I want to build. And from there, like really focusing in on like documenting every part of our process. And when, you know, when we had a problem come up, being able to revisit that and say like, okay, what can we add to our process that makes that problem not happen again was the most important thing because the real difference between like being an agency and being a freelancer, I think, is like as an agency, you're like managing as opposed to doing and you have like more of a high end, you know, freelancers can make a lot of money. But as an agency, like you have that potential to really scale and go way beyond and potentially sell. But in order to do that, you need like a repeatable process that people can do. And that eventually, like if you want to be large scale, you need to be able to bring someone on who can train other people. So it's not you all the time. And without a like simplified, easy to follow process or just really, really talented people, that's really difficult to do. That must have been really hard, though, to say, I don't want to open Webflow because you mm -hmm. seem like the kind of person that's really, really good at development. That's a like very different, so. <laughs> but that's an, a very different skill set to managing people. And suddenly you've moved to Mexico you can't speak Spanish. You probably get as sunburned as I do when you go outside. I do. Yes. Okay. Just, <laughs> just. But there's a lot of a lot of change. And then the one thing that you can do, and you know that you enjoy, and you know that you're good at, you then say, "I'm not going to open this uh, and do development anymore." 
that must have been really hard. I mean, did you not think, why the hell am I doing an agency from Playa del Carmen? Why don't I just pack all this in, say to the contractors, cheers, guys, but this is not my bag. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to go back to freelancing. Why didn't that happen? I think that I had just this like excitement and energy around it. I think the main way you can fail as an agency is giving up. And so I think, especially at the start, when it would have been easy to shut it down, you know, when it's just you and a bunch of contractors, I could have called it quits at any given moment. But I had so much like energy and excitement about it because I was building this new like company and thing and like creating something. And I was getting all these opportunities and like clients loved our work. It was a lot easier to keep going at the start. But the bigger and bigger the agency got, honestly, like the heavier that it felt. And so when I've had those moments of, you know, why am I doing this? What, why am I not just freelancing? By the time I had a moment like that, I had a full-time team and I was like, I can't just think it's hard and then like shut it down and take away people's full-time jobs. Because now that I've gone through a few of those moments, honestly, I've always gotten through them and pushed through to the other side. And I'm like, okay, I'm glad I didn't shut down my company you know, take away four people's full-time jobs when like next week I'm feeling capable of handling it, you know? And so I think at the beginning it was just new and it was really exciting. And then as it's gone on, I also just really love, I love my team, you know, and I've kind of built something that even when, even when I'm having a really hard time, because running an agency is ups and downs. If anyone tells you they're like loving it every second, probably not. (laughs) It's a roller coaster, but even when I've had those moments, you know, since we've gotten bigger where I've been like, why didn't I just freelance? It would have been so much easier. I have a team that like loves our company. You know, we had a, a guy who used to be a contractor for us, who was one of my favorite developers to work with, came back a few months ago and was like, hey, I just like left my current agency and like Virago has always felt like home to me. And, you know, and I was in one of those dips where I was like, oh, this is so hard. And then he's coming like this person who didn't even start this company is telling me the company I started feels like home is where they want to work. And I think that that is was a surprising part of it that I love. Like I said, I never really thought about the people management and all the differences and growing a team and getting to know like this group of people that I have working for me every day and like that I just really enjoy working with and one of my the most surprising and favorite things that's happened to me is like I think each one of my team members has at some point messaged me and said like working here has changed my life thank you and that's been like the most fulfilling thing that I just never saw coming you know <laughs> that's getting me teary <laughs> I know and it happened I was just like <laughs> I love that answer though because I think uh, there's the easy path and there's the hard path and mm-hmm. it's kind of like just because that path's easy doesn't necessarily mean it's the right path. Sorry, I'm getting all Zen Buddha on you. I don't know why. Maybe I was on Pinterest too long yesterday. <laughs> but either way, I really resonate with that. And I'm really glad that you're doing it because it's giving you the purpose and fulfillment that, that it sounds like you hoped it would. Because I think sometimes when people say, I want to grow a million dollar agency, that's why I'm growing an agency. It's like, yeah. how how much longevity can that can that give you? I mean, maybe maybe it can for the right people, but I can't help feeling that if you've got a kind of, yeah, more purposeful, fulfilling connection with people and that's what you're doing this for, then that sounds really healthy. And and let's talk about your, your partner because I feel like he needs a shout out. <laughs> there must have been some some days when he, you know, got a coconut on the beach and was just there alone while you were you know, sitting under an AC trying to bust out projects, just being like, what the hell is this? This is not what I signed up for. This is not digital nomading. (laughs) He was so amazing and supportive throughout the whole thing. I mean, honestly, I don't think he ever, he never abandoned me. Like when I had to work late, he would like, he'd come over and help me. You know, like I taught him how to like QA sites, like he would literally QA stuff for me. And then for a long time, he sent my Upwork proposals because I was too like busy to do Legion. Like you would send Upwork proposals for me every day. I would talk to him about the problem. Like you'd help me with problem solving. And like eventually after that was kind of like it was so nice and so great. But it was something that we realized we shouldn't do. Like we needed to separate just for like 
both of our mental health, you know, like we didn't need to both be all up, you know, in my business. And so eventually we decided like, let's make it kind of a rule that you don't do my job for me. Like he, you know, he had his own, like he wrote, he does, he's a podcast editor and like has his own freelance business and he had his own thing to do. And so we've, we've stopped doing that. You know, he's always there to help me if I need to talk about something or anything, but yeah, he was basically part of my team. And he does deserve a shout out for sure. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll send him this clip of the podcast. So if anyone's thinking about starting an agency, one thing that sounds really boring, but is critical to success in Jamie's opinion is systems and processes. So people talk about systems and processes a lot. You know, you need to have systems and processes in place. Yeah. Yada. What does that mean? actually mean for someone that is maybe a freelancer and is kind of flying by the seat of their pants but they don't even see it as that you know they might they might just be like reacting to whatever client project they're working on they might not have written down or even done a post-mortem after a project to be like was that good was that bad like you know they might not have actually formalized any part of their process and maybe the way that they should so how would you advise them going about actually working out what their systems and processes are. Absolutely. So the first step is you have to figure out what type of projects you take on. If you are taking on every single type of random project with different requirements, then you're going to be reinventing the wheel every time you have a new client. And that is going to be the hardest thing to do. So you need to figure out, like, I take on these types of projects and this is my process for it. I remember early on, and I think a lot of people early on are nervous about, like, imposing their process on a client like I remember when I had my early clients they would you know I would we'd get started and I'd be like how you want to do this I wouldn't really take over and I think a really good turning point for me was realizing that almost all clients and definitely all good clients want you to have a process that you walk them through and that's really where your value is is especially I think if you're on the design side and you have a great process that gives good results like that process is a lot of the value that you're bringing and really what you're selling to people. And so, yeah, first step is not taking on everything, figuring out what are the projects you love to do that you feel like you bring the most value to the client because that's what you can charge the most for. And then figuring out what are the steps in that process. So I can tell you what it kind of looks like for us. So we are a Webflow development team only. So we don't do any design. We just get Figma files, we make them Webflow sites. Not easy thing to systematize, but it's, you know, easier than like the full branding design plus development process. And so for us, it came down to like, I made a ClickUp template for like all of our full site builds. It's got like a developer kickoff checklist that the developer goes through at the start of every project. It's got a checklist for me for the start of every project. It's got a dashboard for the client that I onboard them to and like... I basically recorded two videos, just generic, like, here's how to use our ClickUp dashboard. Here's how to use PunchList, our revision software. And I record those videos. It took five minutes. And like, I used to record those videos individually for every single client, you know? And so like systematizing those things, we're now like onboarding a client to our kind of, I think it's nice, but a little bit complicated ClickUp dashboard. It's as easy as me sending them a link you know, and they have there, they can go in and like, look at the videos, that kind of thing. And then we've got in that template checklist built in for the end of the project. We found an integration between Punchlist and ClickUp that makes revisions super easy. I set up, you know, processes for our team where, you know, I assign things and then our developer sends it to our QA guy. Our QA guy, if he finds any issues, sends it back to the developer. Once it's good, they have a status that's client review. It gets assigned to me. So that whole process happens without me doing anything unless they have a question. And then I have some like, you know, easy template emails that I send to a client. So like we turn in the last page and I send them an email where I just fill in a little bit of specific, like project specific information, but it explains how our revision process works, reminds them like when their deadline is. And it's stuff that I used to do by hand like every single time. And now it's like so much faster. So we do like three times or more the number of projects that we used to do at the beginning and then the rest on like either marketing or learning or we've got kind of a a partnership that we're working on that I'm putting a lot of time into right now. You kind of have to figure out what it looks like for you. But in general, it's taking like 
every single step of the process and making it as standard as possible and as easy for you to do as possible at the time. That is a really, really good way of explaining it. So essentially there are kind of two major steps, working out what projects you take on and mm-hmm. and how do you do that? Well, you work out what do you enjoy doing, but also what offers most value to which group of clients. Mm-hmm. And then once you've figured that out, then you need to just write down the steps in that process to make sure that you deliver the value that you say you're going to deliver to that group of clients. And it sounds like you've got a very, very well-trodden set of steps that you walk that client through. And that is where you're providing the most value. Like you say, you know, you're taking them by the hand and saying, you want to get to here. I've taken 50 clients through this to get to, to where you want to get to. So here's how we're going to do it. And as a result, they trust you. They are going to be good clients because you've kind of trained them to be good clients by virtue of taking them through that process, I imagine. That sounds like a really powerful step-by-step to ensure client satisfaction. Yeah, for sure. And it's hard to, it was so hard to prioritize that really important work because when you have looming client deadlines and you, you know, like that's always what you want to work on first. And I think that the best trick that I've used is spending like, I have like a separate list for I call it kind of on the business versus in the business so in the business is the client work and the day-to-day and on the business is the stuff that's really going to help us grow and so what I do when I'm starting to put that stuff to the side is I'll spend I'll just make it mark it on my calendar my first hour of every morning will be on the business work and I won't open my email or open slack or open ClickUp. I will just do the things on that list for an hour And then I will dive into what everyone needs for me that day. And we've started to have more internal projects we're working on and I'm having my developers do the same thing because we always struggle to prioritize the internal projects we want to do that are going to help us grow. And so I've started to just have my developers be like, you know, if they've got a project that we really need to make some progress on, I'll just be like, spend the first hour of your day on that and like then move on to the client stuff. So we actually make some progress on this because it's so hard to like, have client work on your list and an internal project on your list and not do the client work because you can always delay the internal project if you want to. Yeah, but it's it's working out whose business you want to prioritize and then actually taking action to prioritize that. It sounds like that's what you're saying, as in yeah. if you want your business to to be the priority, then you need to put your best hour of the day which may be the start of the day if that's how you work morning yeah yeah i'm exactly the same before i do client work i want to work on webvail and that's that's been a huge it's also a mindset shift is what i've found and it sounds kind of deep but it's actually saying like okay i'm going to start my day by thinking about what where i want to be and taking tiny steps towards that every day because of the compound effect that that really does make a difference in the long run yeah uh, it sets you off thinking about the problems that you know, you personally want to solve, which kind of gets your mind worrying. Whereas if it's like, I'm going to do that later, you're not even starting the process of thinking about it. So big second that, Jamie. So where, what is success for you now? Because I'm very intrigued, kind of, you talked about trying to be a digital nomad and then you were like, actually, I realized that maybe well, my version of digital nomading is not necessarily what I thought it was and now you you're really loving the agency life what what is success for you now yeah so I think I think the third failure we're going to talk about is like I focused for so long on like hitting like as high of like a money like revenue each month as I could and I didn't want to focus on that like when I took a step back and I thought about what I want it was never money it was like a lifestyle where I like didn't have to work all the time and I had flexibility and I could travel. But when I was in the weeds, I was just always trying, you know, to just get as many projects, do as much work as possible. I think like last, maybe September, October, I hit what I had originally kind of said as like my like 10 year, like monthly revenue target. And I felt no success. I felt, I just felt stressed. I just didn't like what I was doing every day. 
because I just I had like 20 clients that all needed things for me and like I had systems but they weren't perfect so like things were slipping through the cracks and it was just really stressful and I was like I don't want to keep doing this every month and so I kind of over the last I think especially around like the Christmas break last year took a hard look at like okay long term like because I never I barely thought about starting an agency I didn't take a step back and be like is an agency the type of business that I want to run you know and so what I really found I was a little bit inspired by you know a couple big webflow announcements so like devlink and like thin suite acquiring Wizd made me really start to think about like product and SaaS type of work you know a big goal for me is just flexibility like I want to live a life where I get to see as much of the world as possible and get to experience as much as possible. And I've realized that that doesn't mean traveling full time because that's exhausting for a lot of reasons. And I, you know, I've settled down now, but I still want to have the ability one day to like go out and spend three months in Italy. I want to dream that big and like be able to work toward achieving that. And with the agency side, I've really seen that you really have to be there every single day. And you can scale an agency to a point where you have project managers and you have a team that's doing everything for you. But it requires a lot of overhead, a lot of responsibility that I've just had some trouble. You know, I feel the weight of all of like the full-time employee salaries and being responsible for everyone's livelihood. And so I've really realized that my end goal is more to work in product. And I want to take the team that I have now and do that because they are really excited about that too. So we're actually working on a partnership who, with someone who was one of my clients. He's been like a client of mine for a couple of years and we've become really good friends. And he, you know, is a really great, just like agency guy. Like he runs digital at a big agency and we're working on a partnership to kind of have him take over the agency side of the business, really starting a new company together where he runs agency and I move to running the product side of the company. We work on building web apps and like SaaS products. And I think that that long term is more in line with my goals and it's like more exciting to me. And I want to figure out how to do that with like Webflow tools like DevLink and maybe Wiz and stuff because I love that world. But yeah, that's kind of my next goal. Wow. Okay. Really exciting that you're moving in that direction and that you've realized that that's what fulfills you. There's nothing scarier than reaching what you thought success would be and then being like, oh shit, this wasn't. Yeah. It was um, a whole thing. <laughs> did, what did you, did you, did you have a breakdown or were you just like, did you just go out for a coffee? Like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Or what was the kind yeah. of moment where you were just like, no, this isn't it. I don't know if there was like a moment. It was kind of, so I think it started to happen around October. So I, in October, I, I moved all of my stuff from Georgia to Denver, which was like a whole stressful thing. In the midst of that agency work, we got kind of behind because I wasn't there really overseeing everything. And everything started to get really stressful. At the same time, we're making more money than ever. And I just started to get, it really just felt like burnout. Luckily, my team, we take a two-week Christmas break because by Christmas, I always need as big of a break as I can pull off. And so I just survived until Christmas. And it was around the time that I had started talking about that partnership that is now in the next few weeks becoming very real. We've been kind of half in mm -hmm. for about like six or seven months since late last year. And so I had started the talks about that partnership and over the Christmas break, I was just like really started to think long-term about like, what does it look like if I continue scaling an agency as high as I can? Do I like the idea of that? What does it look like if I turn Brago into like a product studio? What does it look like if I want to shut it down and be an indie hacker myself, which I don't want to do. And so having like really sitting down and thinking about all of my options, I was like, I want to be in the product side, but I have a good agency that I've grown. Like, what do I do with that? And if we just jump to product and don't have agency income, like what? And so I came back from that break and talked to my team and I was like, I want to take us into product, but like over time, you know, keep doing our agency work, but start building things internally. And I thought it was going to take a couple of years. And luckily with the way things have turned out with this partnership, it looks like 
for some reason, my business partner is willing to take over the client communication, the agency stuff so that I can go and like full time dive into like what we're going to build and marketing it and that product side. So so just to be clear, then, I mean, Virago is carrying on just minus you in so, the next few weeks. I know, I know. It's it's a very big thing. And the new agency is going to be called Curio. Virago is going to live on, basically, like, we're going to keep the site up and we're going to, you know, continue to work with Virago clients and, like, inquiries we get through that. We're still going to have that arm. But the, the partner that I'm bringing on is, like, you know, he's, like, a very senior, like, UX designer. And so we're going to be adding design. Um, the new agency is called Curio, and it's going to be focused on the real estate niche. So design, development, possibly adding some marketing services in the real estate niche, and then using this, like, strong development team that we have to fulfill the development for that, but also start building products for that niche as well. So building SaaS tools for that niche. And so it's interesting. It's weird. You know, like Virago site's going to stay up, but I think the full focus is going to be Curio. And I'm really excited about it, honestly. I, I think it's going to be really fun. It's weird because I'm so attached to like the Virago name and brand. But since we wanted to dive into the real estate niche, if you look at our site, it's just like, it's too fun for that niche. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a really, really big move, but it's one that I'm very excited about and very like confident in. Done a lot of work with Alex, who will be my partner in it, and he does incredible work. I trust him completely. And some of my like favorite work we've done has been together. So I think it'll be a really good path forward. And you've actually worked on a real estate project. I can see on your website spec isn't it? So we've actually worked on like 10 or so like real estate industry related projects, whether they're like real estate tech or we've done several apartment buildings and marketing. They're like, we don't showcase all of them. Uh, some of them are done through agencies. Like a lot of our work is through agencies that don't necessarily want us to like put it on our website, but we have a lot of experience in the real estate realm. We enjoy the sites we get to make are very cool. Like the imagery and stuff when you're working with like a cool building is really fun um, and we feel like we can bring a lot of value in that space because if you have like an apartment building and you're able to do marketing or websites that get the leases faster that's a lot of value and if you're doing like commercial real estate and you can market in a way that fills office space faster it's a lot of value that you can bring to a client and my focus is I want to like sometimes I feel like with development we're not a commodity, but approaching that, you know, whereas I feel like when niching by an industry, we can really dive in, learn as much as possible about that industry and create like a system and like a playbook that we can apply to make sure we bring value to our clients every time. Wow, that is fascinating. I'll ha I'd love to speak to you again in a year's time once once you've kind of got on got on the road with that. Is there yeah. It just sounds like such an interesting new challenge for you and your team at this point in the interview i ask you the hardest question you've been asked so far are you ready i'm ready jamie what is your next failure going to be oh i sure hope it's not this partnership <laughs> i am expecting so Part of me has thought about a lot about, you know, I know I can run an agency and if I just keep doing it, I know I'll just get better and better at it. And I'm to some extent starting over going into product stuff. And so I know there's going to be a lot of hard lessons, especially, you know, with me leading that and having next to no background in it. Like I feel comfortable running the tech side of it, but I'm also going to be running the marketing side of the product stuff. And I am so excited about it, but I know... I'm going to make mistakes there because I'm basically starting over. So I think hopefully I can take a lot of the lessons I've learned from the agency side, just about business in general, and get through those failures with a little more grace than I did with the agency work. Thanks so much to Jamie for coming on the podcast. And thanks so much to you guys for listening. What an episode. I This episode... There's sometimes, you know, we record episodes and they're great and we get loads of gold dust, but I feel like everything Jamie said was so articulate and she dropped so much 
important gold dust for us here. But I'm going to try and pick out the most important thing in my opinion from this episode. I think one thing that Jamie talked about that really hit me is focusing too much on making as much money as she could instead of building the lifestyle business that she actually wanted. Now, sometimes when you hit whatever your goal for success is, you know, your metric for success, for Jamie, she hit what she thought was her 10-year monthly revenue target and felt nothing but stress. You know, you hit that target and then you don't feel like you expect to feel and that is kind of terrifying. I've had the same thing where I got a big project and thought, yes, I've made it. Wait, why don't I feel like I feel like I should? So I think it's just really worth taking a second and working out what success looks like for you. As a freelancer, it might be more free time. For an agency owner, it might be being able to work from Mexico, like Jamie or whatever. It's not necessarily about money all the time. Yes, money gives you freedom, but up to a certain point, I think it's really, really important just to consider that. At the end of this episode, maybe just take a few minutes, write down what your dream Tuesday looks like. You know, what does the perfect weekday look like? Then maybe you can look at what you're currently doing and think, hey, is that actually leading towards what success looks like? Powerful, powerful episode. I hope that you guys got a lot from this one. Next week, I'll be interviewing Dylan Harrocks. He is uh, an agency owner based in Barcelona. And we actually tried doing a live interview, which didn't go terribly well because my camera didn't record the interview. But it's still a really, really interesting episode. So episode 47 will be next week with Dylan Harrocks. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Remember to keep on flaming. <laughs>